Beyond the Rim of the Starlight, you'll find the Inglorious Trexperts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out my new sci-fi TV series, Pandora, debuting on The CW and around the world on July 9th, starring Priscilla Quintana and Oliver Dench, and you can find out more by downloading the Unboxing Pandora podcast, available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. My eyes got really big looking at my co-host. What's up, Jason? <laughs> there was a lot of animated facial features going on. We are excited to be here, even though you can't see us. We're excited. Yeah, we're really excited. And I can't believe your eyes just lit up the way they did. I was like, oh, he's about to have a heart attack right now. Well, what were you what were you just singing before oh, we went live? What yes. was it? So today's subject, uh by hi everyone. I'm I'm Bevan, by the way. Hello. Uh, we didn't hi Bev Hi Bevan. Hi. Um we we were talking our topic today is about the toxicity of Star Wars, and I was doing some Britney. You're toxic, I'm sipping under. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I was just enthralled. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> no, you did. You just you just blanked over. You were like, <laughs> eyes glossed over. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, we're rolling. Here we're we go. Rolling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a we got a heck of a show today. Yes. The toxicity of the fandom. We're of calling Star- it the Sarlacc Pit. Yeah, we're calling this one the Sarlacc Pit. You know, because uh, if you remember from Episode Six, Return of the Jedi, there was that pit in the sand that had like the teeth multiple teeth going around in different rows mm-hmm. all the way down like the crazy tendrils coming out of it uh didn't somebody go ah when they like what, went in there that's called the wilhelm scream yeah right, right? Is, is that what it's called the, the wilhelm scream i believe it's a it was a sound that was used in multiple films and it became famous in the original a new hope but I believe it's called the Wilhelm scream, and they use it in other movies. But I, I, I want to say A New Hope made it famous because there was like this really awkward moment where in the Death Star trench, a uh, stormtrooper falls, and yeah. then when he falls, it's like this ah ah yeah something like that. No, I think it's more We're of close. a ah yeah. Anyways, yeah, there's... we'll hit t- we'll hit, we'll give you tons of different pitches. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, go all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just knock it out. But yeah, this uh, you know over the past few years we've had some. Um, some pretty passionate debates with not only the the fan community, but the projects that have been announced and the films that have been announced. And with a combination of social media and people being very outspoken and boisterous. Good old fashioned social media. It uh, it can turn into sometimes a, a negative thing. You know, we have moments of people completely pulling and retracting away from social media. Kelly Marie Tran, who plays Rose Tico in The Last Jedi, she shut all of her accounts down. She was receiving so much, uh, what did she call it? Not not hate mail, but like a type of just... Uh, oh, she was getting trolled. Trolled. There we go. She was yeah. getting trolled online by people. 
Um, there was even, I remember when The Force Awakens came out, there was a huge issue with the first person we see in the trailer was John Boyega. And people were like, oh, we don't want to see this guy in Star Wars. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? What's going on here? And then there were just so many other things that happened, obviously, with the trajectory of the shows and where it's going. Uh, the Last Jedi, people's expectations of the franchise, where it is, what it is. And with the internet culture that we live in now. And to be clear, too, I, I, I always feel like it's very important to point out that um, toxicity is not about people that are critiquing the film because they don't like uh, particular aspects of it or they don't like particular casting choices of it. Toxicity is like when you take your dislike of something to the extreme and you go out and you bully people that have a different opinion of you. And then you go and maybe, like going back to Kelly go and bully that actual actress. It mm -hmm. was just a job for her, and she was so happy to take it. Of course. So that's more of what we're talking about when we talk about toxicity of Star Wars. Of course, because we are a podcast and we are critiquing certain elements that we didn't like about it, that I feel like is fine. You don't have to like everything. But toxicity is just a whole different level of fandom that I think, for lack of a better term, is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like you brought that back around. Yeah, yeah, it, it really, really is because what it can start to do is, is we've already seen the divide. Mm -hmm. You know, the divide starts to happen on multiple levels. You got people that maybe they loved certain aspects of a show. Maybe they loved Clone Wars. Maybe they loved Rebels. Maybe they love Star Wars Resistance. And then you've got people that are like, oh, it's terrible. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, why don't you like it? And then if you can't even have the conversation, I think that's where the disconnect comes in mm -hmm. because. We had an episode called, you know, Change the Stars, where we just talk about things we would change. Now, again, we're playing Monday morning quarterback. We're Monday morning producer on these things. The, the, you know, the films are already done. It's not like we sat in on the creative team and went, you know, how come they didn't use our ideas? You know, you're just looking back on it with like the, the magical wand of this is how I would have done it kind of deal. But when you attack it from a level of saying you're dumb, you're this, you're that, I'm right, and I don't want to hear anything you're really kind of drawing a line in the sand. Yeah, and to point out a difference too, I talk about how like I really did not care for um what's his what's his face? Guys, I studied. Um Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Like that's my personal opinion and yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it, but never in a million years would I go on to uh, group messages boards and if people liked Anakin, I'd sit there and respond back and go, you're stupid. You're dumb. Your opinion is wrong. Your opinion is just different than mine. Mm -hmm. That's the way mm -hmm. I see it. Or never would I go to Hayden Christensen's page and be like, you should die a slow and painful death because you ruined Anakin Skywalker for me. <laughs> there is Gosh, a very yeah. big difference of hey, didn't work for me versus is I'm going to go bully people that don't agree with the way I yeah, think yeah. and believe. I mean, look at what happened with Ahmed Best, yeah. the actor who, you know, played Jar Jar in mm -hmm. the prequels. You know, he he came out very publicly and talked about how due to the flack, if you will, he mm -hmm. was receiving off of playing that character and what he received it was leading to an extreme decision that he had contemplated. Yeah. You know, very, very extreme. Nothing to joke about. And that's over a man getting a job, yeah. playing a character in yeah. a movie. I mean, that's how deep-rooted a lot of this went, is that people were going as far as attacking them. I mean, it can even go as far as, I, I don't know if uh, if you're a baseball fan, but do you remember when the Chicago Cubs, Cubs before they won a World Series here, you know, there was uh, Bartman, the guy who basically kind of tipped the ball in left field wall, and then the Cubs were knocked out of the NLCS. 
And this guy had to move out of Chicago. You know, yeah, he, he it's, just, it's, and again, this is deep seated, rooted, you know, this, 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 um, this community was looking for a championship and they had a great shot, but we now have the means through, you know, social media, through the internet to really kind of pinpoint people in a lot of ways, or at least zero in on them, you know? Yeah. It's not cool. I'll give you another example and I'll go nerdy about it too. Um, recently Disney released the 30th anniversary of the little mermaid mm. and the voiceover actress who's been voicing her since 1989, Jodie Benson, Recently started around the time of the release started getting death threats from people that thought she was very anti Me Too movement. Ariel, the princess, Princess Ariel was not Me Too movement enough, forward thinking enough. And how dare you sit there and say that Ariel's a good role model for little girls when look what she did for a man. And it got it really disturbed me because it's like, dude, this came out in 1989 and this is loved by a lot of people. Sure, you don't have to agree with mm-hmm. You don't have to like everything. You don't have to agree with it. But there is no reason in the world to reach out to attack an actress that played a role 30 years ago and be like, oh, this is terrible. I don't know why you would support this. This mm. is not very feminist, this these this Little Mermaid. I was like, oh, God, oh, no, it's a little too far. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pushing, pushing things uh, extremely. We had a guest come on and use a, a term called keyboard courage. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, because again, if you're if you're not in front of them or you're not actively engaging with them, there's a lot of keyboard courage there. Um, you know, but I wonder where that comes from. Like, especially let's circle it back to Star Wars here with, you know, a lot of it just coming off one of the recent films of even Solo. A lot of fans thought the film didn't even need to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of people out there that said, oh, I don't need to have a Han Solo movie. It's there's no Harrison Ford in it. Why are you doing it? Why, 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 why? And then some people say, why not? Yeah. You know, that that's obviously the rebuttal. You know, you can say, well, why not? More Star Wars is a good thing. It's fun. We don't need to know the story. We don't. Uh, it's not Harrison Ford. Everybody's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, everybody's right. But I think it's it's your perception. And what's that old saying? Sugar works better than salt. You know, I mean, if you're coming across. I've never heard you never that. Heard that? No. You never heard that? So like if you go in, it'd be like if, if you went in and I needed something from you and I need your stapler office space reference. And I go, give me that stapler. Versus, you know, hey, would you mind if I borrow your stapler, please? Mm-hmm. You know, I used sugar versus salt. I was very hard and coarse with you. You oh. know, sugar works better than salt. So, yeah, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. So, you know, I, I, I respect people that have their opinions on things. Not everybody's going to work for everybody else via whether it's the casting, the story choices, the decisions with the characters, where the franchise is going, whatever. But the attacking is the thing that I don't really understand and it it feels even in the culture that we're kind of living in now where there's a lot of digital integration right Mm -hmm. you know we live on our devices through uh almost digital extensions of ourselves you know are you justified by having a verified blue check on your name on certain social media accounts do you have enough followers do you have enough this that and the other that can sometimes corral and or push conversations into well your opinion doesn't matter because you're not popular enough or you don't have enough steam behind what you're saying right you know like show me your resume yeah yeah <laughs> show I me mean, your resume do you have the right to have this yeah yeah it's 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 pretty funky there have been some conversations i've even gotten into and engaged with people online um where it's turned into a weird kind of outdoing one another match of why the other felt 
as if these were the reasons and the opinions that needed to be justified or validated. And then at a certain point, you just either have to concede defeat or it turns into, you know, I'm just muting this and shutting this down. Because can you ever really get the last word on, on something like that? I mean, it just, it goes off into like the abyss. Yeah, no, I, I think social media is a terrible place for, I understand that social media was created to, for dialogue purposes in terms of keeping in touch with people, sharing your life and all that stuff. But when you start getting into like debate mode, mm. firmly don't do it on social media. Any sort of social platform, I won't do it. It's like, you want to have a conversation with me? Let's talk about our differences. Let's do it face to face. Yeah. You know, um, look at the cyber bullying that's come out over the years too. Oh, cyber I mean, bullying is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. It is. It's, it's horrendous. And I think especially with a younger generation that's growing up, not knowing when this wasn't around and I'm pointing everybody at my phone, but you know, people are growing up now with a cell phone in hand, yeah. you know, and that is again, that their digital extension. Um, George Lucas came out and said that if the prequels would have came out around the time of the, the, uh, the internet being as, as powerful as it is now, because it was still in its infancy, respectively, like around 97, yeah. you know, episode one, Phantom Menace, uh, even episode two, Attack of the Clones, 2000 and 2003, um, you know, Revenge of the Sith, it was still, you know, five, eight years in the internet really wasn't zipping yet. You know, no. you didn't have a lot of, you didn't have these like websites that were actively streaming video and message boards. I mean, people were connecting, people were starting to come together, but that was probably his first feeling of, wow, you know, I'm not, everybody likes my ideas. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he probably heard ideas through different channels back when he was reading them in possibly Variety or Backstage West or Hollywood Reporter or whatever back in like the early 80s, mid 80s. But now, I mean, it's coming at him in lightning speed from just random people. Yeah. You know, random people are going, that was a terrible idea. I didn't like that idea. Why did you do that? You ruined my childhood, uh, whatever it might be. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that was even a culture shock to him, you know, to deal with that. No, I... I I agree. And it's it's one of those things where the Internet is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Mm. Uh, it allows more accessibility, but it also allows for more toxicity to mm -hmm. occur. Cyberbullying, trolling. Um, and it's it's a whole other realm of like people that just go out and like critique films and they give one star, two stars, and they get impassioned by what didn't work for them, what did work for them. But it's coming from a very educated, thoughtful place, whereas a lot of social media is just reactionary. Mm. Like they're just, they don't think about it. They just react to it and type it immediately. Because they're spurred by what they read. This is so stupid. Like, mm -hmm. especially when I see, triggered. wow. They're triggered, yeah. Yeah, it's triggered. And then some people that are, like, I love those people that are in the comment sections that are like, I'm just here for the comments. Cause yeah, no, they are. <laughs> like, have you seen the one little gif of, like, Michael Jackson from yeah. the Thriller video? He's eating, eating the popcorn. popcorn. Yeah, it's it's so common. I'll see it pop up. And you'll go through a thread if, if you go that far, if you care that far yeah. to go into something. Uh -huh. And I'll see that one pop, pop up. up. It's a very common gif. Um, you know, <laughs> I've even seen people use the episode three Obi-Wan gif of when he's on Mustafar standing above Anakin after he is burning. And it's just the line of, I have the high ground and yeah. it's just playing over and over because, you know, again, people think they're doing like a mic drop of like, yeah. I have the high ground now. You know, I made my point. Boom. Mic drop. And there's people that get off on like just gifting each other and memeing oh, yeah. each other just yeah. like who can out meme the other person a whole conversation um like and then the the comment threads just keep on going and all of a sudden it's not even about the post anymore it's about just these random people that are like oh yeah oh yeah well 
I just put a full house meme on you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Do you ever engage online with, uh, like, let's say after Solo or The Last Jedi came out or even, you know, Force Awakens? Did you engage online with anyone? Uh, no, that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you did not actively, like, even within, like, certain groups that you might be a part of or maybe, like, private message boards or anything, nothing like that? No, I just, out of principle, I don't do it. Yeah. And I just sit there and I wait till a mic is in front of me and then I have, like, Ming Chen and my Zavzik and my buddies and I'm like, all right, guys, let's start talking about this. And then I let, and I quietly, like, let them do it. I let them go through their whole spiel and stuff and then I'll be like, all right. Here we go. Oh, then you dive in. And then I dive in. I was like, here's what I thought. And I will always start with like something that worked for me to try and just start positive. And then I will go into what I couldn't stand. So you use sugar. Yeah. And then you move to salt. And then I move to salt. <laughs> but then I then I try and balance it out with just putting in sugar at the end. Be like, but here's the silver lining, guys. This worked. Yeah, yeah. Everything else that I didn't like, here it is. So I put what I don't like in the middle of my rant, if you will. If I have a nerd rant, it's sugar, salt, sugar. Mm-hmm. Good. That's what I do. Good. Because I feel like that's just a nice, healthy balance. I want to be fair, and I don't want to be a cyber bully. But I also just think it is a free country, and I think we should. It causes for great uh, banter, if you will. Yeah. If you've got some issues with things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And again, I, I don't call that toxicity or cyberbullying or trolling. I'm just stating an opinion. I'm not shutting down anybody when they're like, yeah. I don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, fine. Let's go. Arm wrestle. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Over the top style. Sylvester Stallone. You turn the hat backwards. You turn on the machine. Yeah, right. Do you remember that movie? No. Okay. It's uh, awesome. I'm Check it out. Than you. That's okay. Doesn't mean you can't see a movie. It's true. Five, five years younger. I, I mean, I have I have uh, watched 1940s and 50s films, so I, there can't, you go. I can't really talk. See? It's like, I've watched the original Star Wars trilogy. That was the 70s. Well, that was a criteria, so you're good to go. You yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah. I passed. What about you? I mean, do you partake in the comment threads? I, I do partake in certain message boards that I'm a part of, but okay. these message boards that I have been a part of, and some of them I've stepped away from because I felt that the atmosphere, if you will, has mm-hmm. gotten a little bit too toxic. I feel that instead of it being constructive it's turned into just like a bashing fest Mm -hmm. and to me that's not good i I don't take anything away from that because i like to surround myself with people that i that i believe that their input and is valuable from a a vantage point of even if they have criticism there's a reason that their criticism Mm -hmm. is there okay hey this is right why i didn't like this this is why it didn't work for me okay cool i mean do they have structured thoughts are they actually saying things coherently to to make a point or is it just that was stupid Oh, that was, that was dumb. That was the worst part. Okay, could you please elaborate? Because if you didn't like it, I look at things as a storyteller so that I don't want to make the same mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, because I look a lot at a lot at a lot of this as what? oh, I'll, 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 <laughs> I look at a lot of this as research. Right. You know, I really do. Mm-hmm. So a few of the message boards that I'm in, there's a lot of writers that work on shows around town. Um, there are a lot of filmmakers. And when we have these conversations back and forth, I think it's very constructive. And I think it's also very helpful to each one to understand what is working for people and what's not working for people. Because yeah. that's, Makes that's you how a you better learn. Filmmaker, yeah. yeah, you learn that way too in crafting story and crafting character and understanding stakes and understanding change and consequence. And if you don't, you know, you can have the prettiest picture in the world, but if it has no substance behind it, yeah. 
it, it doesn't really move you in any way, you know? Yeah, and if you're going to have a romantic story and I'm not behind the characters, then it's a wasted storyline plot to me. You're just not feeling it. No, I'm yeah. not, but there's an episode coming for that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but I also think if you're going to go to the mattresses with somebody, do your homework. Mm-hmm. Do your mm-hmm. homework. Show up prepared. Have cliff notes. Have, like, bullet points, like, too. Like, mm, if you're mm. going to actually disagree with something, then back up with a solution as well. Yeah, there have been a few times where during these conversations, um, you know, I'll use uh, The Last Jedi, for example. There were things that, you know, if we were not seeing eye to eye on what myself and somebody else were uh, talking about, I would just say, hey, well, how would you change it? Mm-hmm. You know, because I believe that... If you're always giving me problems, but you're never giving me solutions, solutions. then it's very one-sided. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't seem that you're being, well, you're, you're not stifled, thinking through. You know? Yeah, you know? and you're not, you're stifling growth there. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really doesn't go anywhere. It's just like, it's like being adventurous in whatever aspect of your life might mm-hmm. be, or maybe it's just trying something new, learning something new, whatever it is. And if you just go, no, nope, I don't want to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's, it's okay to do that too. But if it's always that well, I mean, it's like running into a brick wall. Yeah, like, you know. Great. How how often are you going to engage with anyone after that? Because mm-hmm. that's what I mean. There were a few of these uh, groups and message boards that I just had to kind of move away from because, mm-hmm. and then you even start to see this weird kind of like clicking up yeah. of where you'll see like, oh, it tends to seem that whenever this comment is made or this type of structuring of criticism is made, everybody kind of floods in and says, oh, me, t- me too. I think the same way. Well, that's like being in an art class and there's no critique ever. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be critiqued because if you're always told that you're great, you're never going to grow. Yeah, You're I agree. never going to grow. I agree. So you need to be told and not that telling you that you're shit, you're going to grow that much more. I don't believe in that either. But you need to also be able to take constructive criticism yeah. and just understand that work is growth and I'm you batting right away there? a fly. And <laughs> this little guy was like all on my face as I was waving at Bev. Having like a spastic yeah. attack, like yeah. doing a dance move over here. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I heard my own internal uh, uh, soundtrack. But yeah, you know, if you don't have anything to grow from or learn from, then, you know, it's like that line from uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield when the professor asked him, you know, well, what'd you think of the great grad? What did you think of the great Gatsby? He's like, well, he was great. You know, like it's just it it's clearly didn't do the homework. Yeah, it clearly didn't do the homework. Yeah, yeah he was great. It's great. It's good. Yeah. Gatsby was great. Yeah, I mean, what didn't work, man? Just didn't work. But I don't like the environment that it started to build in a lot of places. I didn't feel like when I when I stopped reading, I didn't feel like I was getting anything positive out of it. Yeah, or you were learning anything from it. I think that's a good yeah. point. I, I think if you are going to criticize something, I think if you are going to sit there and talk about something that really, 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 really bothered you, come at it with, here's why it bothered me, and here's what I would have done differently, so I could have liked it. Because I think most Star diehard Star Wars fans want to love every single thing I believe that, that too. Star Wars comes out with. Um, and when we don't... And when we feel like, for instance, the prequels, and when we feel let down by something like the prequels, then there's this incredible passion to be like, no, but I wanted it to be this because it could have been like this. And I love these characters and I just want them to be mm-hmm. more than what what was executed on screen. Yeah. Do yeah. you think here, here's here's kind of like a here's kind of like an alternate r- version of this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a movie that mm-hmm. could be made that will appease everyone? Everyone, that's impossible. Yeah, but exactly. I, Thank you. I was because I, I was going to say if you said yes, I was going to be like, pitch me that movie right now <laughs> because I want to. I want to hear this film because 
that is what I think is the biggest challenge for these filmmakers. And it's the big, the biggest challenge for these storytellers is that Star Wars has such a deep, passionate, I used the word rabid pre, uh, on a previous podcast. And I take that as not rabid in a bad way. Like they just, they're hungry for the content. Mm-hmm. They want cool stuff. They want this information coming at them at light speed. You know, they want that stuff in there. Over 12 parsecs? Over 12. Mm-hmm. Under 12, they'll consume it. But, <laughs> you know, now you're putting this pressure on production. You're putting this pressure on a story group. You're putting this pressure on filmmakers to where if it doesn't deliver, ho, ho, ho. And I, I think that might be a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Good in that you're holding the brass. You're holding the storytellers. You're holding everyone to a certain... Account, yes, accountability. And you're saying, we need this to be happy with that. But at the same time, do you get to a place where you then you can't even like play in the genre anymore? You know what I mean? You can't take chances because now, oh man, we took a chance on the last one and look at the look at the flack we got. Well, I also think there's a couple of factors too. I do believe that if filmmakers study the vein of Star Wars fans enough, like if they do, again, do your homework and kind of piece together, all right, the ratio of, a, say, say, maybe 80% of the Star Wars community liking a Star Wars film needs to have the following in just based on our research alone. And mm-hmm. they go through what they see fans are missing, what, are, what they're wanting. And, like, we find that most of the fans don't like the way Luke Skywalker was treated mm-hmm. in the last episode. So the first thing I would do as a filmmaker... Now, of course, there'll be some people like, yeah, great, I didn't care about Luke Skywalker. But, like... I want to say 80% of the fandom was like, God, man, that's Luke. That's my hero. Why would I don't like the way you, you sent him off like yeah. that. So if I was the filmmakers, would be like, you know what? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to change Luke in the next film. We're going to do something different with him that we probably weren't going to do because at least we'll get maybe our ratings will go up maybe maybe 15 to 20% if we just start with that. Let's change the way Luke was, you know, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Which I which may be the reason why the title Skywalker is in the next uh film for episode 9. For episode 9. Yeah. That might be a uh educated hypothesis marketing move on the Star Wars team to be like, you know what? They want more Skywalker. I bet you we could get more people in the seats if we put Skywalker in the title. Uh, I think that's a that's a very accurate you know assumption of what it could be because immediately you're hearkening back to a very beloved character. Uh-huh. You know, you already are going back to Luke, the farm boy who becomes a Jedi and, right? and redeems his father. So I think, yeah, I really do. And what you're talking about too is that it's not unheard of for an immense amount of research to go into marketing movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, at certain levels, and especially at the level of what Star Wars is operating at, mm-hmm. there are departments that are looking at demographics. There are yep. departments that are looking at all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's still here. He's still this one bug is still here. Um, you've got people that are looking at trends. You got people that are looking at how it's playing in this audience and how it's playing in that audience. So. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, I like the idea of hitting certain bullet points. I mean, there are certain things that a Star Wars film, if it has this, you mm-hmm. probably have a higher level of success with the fans. Yeah. You know? And the thing I, I'd like to add to that is a good friend of mine, a good uh, uh, filmmaking friend of mine, very talented filmmaker, his name is Coley Hicks. He went and saw The Last Jedi with us. And, you know, he is not a Star Wars fan. He knows very, very little about the brand other than like, you know, the, the broad strokes. Oh, there's mm-hmm. Vader. Oh, there's Luke. There's, you know, takes place in space. There's ships. There's lightsabers. 
Just the important stuff, okay? He knows that. The bare essentials. The bare essential. He knows about the force. You got and all the bare necessities. Yeah, know. yeah. The bare necessities. See, I can sing too sometimes. So <laughs> I left. I left it open for you. Yeah, I was gonna you, give you a you chance to have your up. moment. You I teed did. Me I teed up. you up. I swung on that and, one. And you I, swung. I love it. Yeah. Continue, co-pilot. So he jumped on and he saw the film and really enjoyed it. You know, he really, really enjoyed it. To him. Uh, the choices that were made in it, the execution, he liked everything about it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember having this conversation with him afterward um, because he is also a very big anime fan. Okay. Okay. And one thing that we started to get into the conversation of was fan service mm-hmm. because I personally feel that that is one of your biggest markers that you need to hit. Mm-hmm. You need to appease the fans. Now, there can be another train of thought that comes up, and that is don't worry about the old fans. We're interested in making new fans. Right. Because now that mindset is, well, they'll show up anyway, but we need to create a new generation, a new crop of fans. Mm -hmm. So I get that. I totally understand that tactic. But going back to the anime side of this, a lot of people are kind of frustrated that a live action anime has not really translated over well from a lot of what the animated anime has done. I mean, animated anime pushes... Animated anime? Animated anime, yes. I know that sounded funny, but animated anime, cartoon anime versus a live action anime. I mean, they did Death Note live action on Netflix. I think they did a live action uh, Full Metal Alchemist as well. But these are 2D uh, uh, animated cartoons, which... People, I mean, clearly there's a market for this. They're, they're, they're making these movies. A lot of people saw, I think there was an Attack on Titan live action film as well. But these, this is a huge demographic. Anime is an enormous demographic. So I asked him, I said, what do you think is the most important thing about getting an anime series right when you're bringing it over to a live action, a live action film? Because again, you're taking a 26 episode anime season mm-hmm. and you're trying to shove it into a feature film that might be 90, 120, maybe maybe 140 minutes. He goes, well, you've got to, you, you've got to give the fans what they need. And I was like, that's exactly what Star Wars fans say. That's exactly what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, because he just kept asking me, well, what do you mean? Why don't people like this movie? Why don't people like this movie? And I kept trying to explain to him, there were just certain choices that were made that a lot of people just didn't agree with. You know, they just didn't agree with the way that characters were handled. They didn't agree with the execution. They didn't agree with the tone. They didn't agree with a lot of pieces. And then there were some that loved all the things that I just named off. But what he brought up about anime, about you've got to get the fan base on board, because Mm -hmm. if not, you're you're excluding a huge amount of your potential audience. And I think that's what happened with certain choices that were made was that in a way you kind of forgot about the fans and certain choices that were made. You know? Yeah, I, I agree, but I also want to throw in there that I do think it is very important to have a yin-yang aspect to almost every piece of artwork. Because if you do too much fan service, then sometimes that makes you miss out on a good story mm-hmm. because you're too concerned about what are the fans going to think. And I think if you can, I think you can have a successful Star Wars film if you do the right balance. Actually, a successful film in general, especially if it has a following like yeah, Batman. Yeah, we're talking about something that has like a pre-existing audience. Yeah. A Pre, if you have a pre-existing audience, and I understand you want to bring in a new audience, then you need to find that right balance of fan service and just good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Just good storytelling. If you have a good story, the newer fans are going to show up too. They will. They'll show up if it's a good story. If they're intrigued by the world, if they're intrigued by these characters that they don't know, then they will show up. Yeah. You know what? The fans, the fans are automatically going to show up because 
they have a nostalgia, a nostalgic yeah, love. Yeah, they've connected to it. But if it's also a shitty story, then that's when they're going to get disappointed. And I feel like that's more of what happened to The Last Jedi besides, you know, there was some execution about characters that people didn't like, which I mostly agree with. It just wasn't a very strong story, so therefore I think that's why you lost a lot of the Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it w- this is by far the most divided I've seen the community of Star Wars fans yeah. over a film. I, I mean, it was it was almost, there was no gray. There was very limited gray. It was black or white. Like, I'm on board, I'm not on board. Right. It, and it was shocking. Yeah. It, it was shocking to see it that It was high. pretty shocking. Most people are on board when the like, original trilogy, love it. Prequels, meh. Yeah, kind of indifferent. Uh, so yeah, kind of, sort of, you know. But this, I mean, this one, I, and I would argue that Force Awakens, there was more love than hate, if yeah. you will. You know what I mean? There was a, maybe a 68-32, you know, 68 on board, 32 off. Because then you got the people saying things like, oh, well, it's just a reboot of A New Hope. Oh, why can't it be original? And then, again, you get back to... Original. You, you get back to, you know, the checklist that we're talking about. You know, is it too much fan service? Is mm-hmm. it not? And then that just harkens all the way back into the conversation of the pressure that these storytellers are under, you know, to appease yeah. not only the fan base, but themselves as artists, too. Ryan Johnson had a really good quote. And by no means am I, you know, bashing on Last Jedi or Ryan Johnson specifically for the fact that they made a Star Wars movie. We're just using this as an example in the toxic fan base that has kind of grown out of a mixture of the Internet and social media. But Ryan Johnson had a quote one time in an article that I read that I thought was pretty good. But he said, you know, we made a Star Wars movie that we'd want to see. You know, and in a way, a lot of people took that as like a middle finger, like a fuck you to us. Like, oh, you're just you don't want you don't care what we say. In a way, I was like, good for you, man. You made you made the movie you wanted to see. You know, if you had the reins to the Star Wars franchise, Bev, you have the reins. You got the key to the city, the keys to the kingdom, the push button start to the Falcon. You get to make whatever you want to make. Are you worried about what the fans think? Again, going back to my yin and yang, yes, half. Okay. Half of it. Like I, because I want to, at the same time, a successful person, which I never played that song for you about like art isn't easy and putting it together. You need to, yes, be your own creative person. You need to have a unique voice, but you also need to understand. I I feel like it's more in a sense of like, what do I feel and where can I like, and if I feel this way, um, I want to see who else feels this way with me to know if if I make this, I'm going to sell tickets to this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I need to be relatable. Like, I want to tap into the part of me that's relatable to the vein of the Star Wars fans and be like, okay, where, where are the fans and I relating? And then I will go make that movie because then it can come from a place of truth for me. And it comes from my research of like, well, I know that my truth is received by this percentage amount of people because I've done my research to know that if I tell this specific type of Star Wars story people are going to be like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Are you going to care? Of course. I mean, the quick answer is of course, because I think you have a responsibility. I know that's a big word to use whenever you're talking about something that can be very personal in creation. Well, I hear with great power. uh, With great power comes great responsibility. Um, Marvel's in the umbrella. It's yeah. in the Disney umbrella. We can cross platform. We can cross the cross streams. The streams. We can cross those streams. But yeah, I think there's a responsibility to do uh, to do your due diligence, to research it well, to kind of put the shoe on the other foot, if you will. If I had the keys to an anime franchise, if somebody said, 
Jason, do a do a Trigun movie or do a Appleseed movie or do Inuyasha. A, Akira. Well, yes. I mean, just some fantastic properties, which I mean, they are moving on an Akira property. Uh, are they really? Yeah, next year, I believe, um, Leonardo DiCaprio is actually producing. So, and the director of Thor Ragnarok, he's, oh. he's, he's directing. Taki. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, I don't know his name. It's, um, we'll get you that name. Uh, but Thor Ragnarok, a lot of fun. I believe he's directing. But I would do my due diligence. I would do my homework. I would try to research the fan base and why they love it. That would be the thing that I would look for. You yeah. know, that would be the thing I would look for the most is because the reason that people spend hard-earned money or however they go consume media, it takes something out of it when you're going, I'm going to get in my car, drive to the movie theater, and I'm going to watch this movie. Or I'm right. going to put my credit card on this app because I'm going to buy this off of iTunes, Amazon, yeah. Hulu. It's Takiki Watiti. Yes, there you go. Yes, so I, be I believe he's I believe he's tapped to do the Akira movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I believe he is. Well, we'll find out in a second. But um, hold I, on to your turbans, kid. I would want to know why people are doing this. Like, what is it about this IP that spurs you to be this passionate about it? Like, what is it about that? And I would talk with these fans. I would talk with people that created it. He's uh, one of the directors behind The Mandalorian. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, he's one of them on there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Does it show him for the Akira project? The Untitled Akira? I'm almost there. Come on, smartphones. Uh, in terms of director? Director, yeah. I uh, hear just Jojo Rabbit. Uh, short films. That's definitely not it. No. Um, I, if I knew how to spell Akira, I would do it. A-K-I-R-A. Oh, thank you. Straightforward. I mean, I was going to guess that. That's good. But Akira yeah, I, I would do my homework Manga? on it. Sorry, guys. Manga. Manga. Yeah. I would do my homework on it, and I would really want to try to do a mixture or a blend because I feel that it's a responsibility to provide that kind of experience for the fan base, you know, because otherwise, I mean, trust me, I could look at something and mm -hmm. I can get my own artistic interpretation off of it and I can get my own emotional response and I can create my own emotional stimulus from that. Like I can say, hey, this is why I did this with the character. This is why I went and made these choices. This is why I wanted to have this kind of thing happening here or there. Nothing. Nothing's going on with that. Okay. We'll scrap that for now. But that is, that would be my take on it. You know, th th those would be my feelings. Yeah, and to kind of just tip my hat off to uh, the Marvel C Cinematic Universe is I feel like they have done that really great balance of doing enough fan service and doing enough of their homework because they've hired a lot of people from the comic book world community. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the people that are behind the stories of all of these characters, were they did work with comics. They did, they did write for comics. You know, uh, Jeff Loeb, who is the, I, he's such a sweetheart. He um, is the head of Marvel Television. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a, he created the Red Hulk. He's written a bunch of Batman comics. He's written some Superman comics. He's done some, like I said, he created the Red Hulk. He did a bunch of other Marvel comics. So it's like, that's in his vein. He knows, he's been in the comic book world for such a long time that he knows the DNA and he knows what fans will like and will not like with, while still taking some creative liberties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I think that's smart. I think it's extremely smart because what you're doing is, is you're putting the keys in the hands of the people that have crafted a lot of these stories. Mm -hmm. You're giving them the opportunity to say, hey, are we doing the right thing? Because I know there can be a lot of hierarchy 
within a production to where you defer to certain people, right? In mm-hmm. television, it's typically the showrunner. You know, in films, depending on the size of your your production, it could be either the studio, it could be a certain board of executives, it could be the director, it could be an executive producer, it could be a producer. And then obviously it trickles down to different levels, how it is. And if you don't have somebody that's kind of overseeing the vision of things, mm-hmm. you get into the position of having very disjointed and disconnected Mm -hmm. storylines of uh, what's going on. So when you do bring in the people that have been the writers on this content for years, that have lived with this content for X amount of years, they've they've bled over it, be that through typing on a keyboard, breaking pencils over Bristol board, you know, being over Wacom tablets, whatever it might be, you know, it's, it's a part of actually saying, we care enough about this project to tell you we're going to the sources of the people that brought you the project to make sure we get it right. You know, that that to me is important. And I think that's where most of the angry fans are coming from is that they feel that it hasn't been done to that degree. Now, mm-hmm. there are some people that are just going, oh, well, it wasn't my interpretation of it. Well, what's your interpretation? What did you want to see? Right. Oh, well, I wanted to see this. Okay, that didn't happen. But are you okay with what happened anyway? Like, uh, or were there other issues that you you just didn't care for? So no matter what, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. I think what, we're, what we've seen and what we've dealt with thus far is not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think I would just like to just harken back again. I feel like I'm a broken record on just the speech. It's like, I want Star Wars fans to get more sophisticated with their rebuttals. Like, I I want you to, you know, if you don't like something, good, fine, talk about it. But come on, show up to church and bring your Bible with you and have, like, mm-hmm. get your sermons out and, like, your, and your, and your backup evidence of, like, oh, I'm going to pull out this quote and this is why I feel this way. Like, I, I'm all for if you um, disagree with something. I, I'm all for it. You didn't like something? Great. Let's talk about it. It, great, it creates a great conversation and mm-hmm. there is something to be learned from it. But when you are sending death threats to, yeah, to yeah. actresses, you, on, first of all, on. you just don't understand that it wasn't even them that created the character. They were, It was a job. They and were, they're stoked to be there. Yeah, they're, they're so stoked. They're to be so there. happy. They're a part of a, an IP that they've heard about their whole lives. Right. And now they're going to the face of something. I mean, mm-hmm. that should be celebrated. It's yeah. exciting. You know, it's it's a it's a big thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's all I had to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can only imagine what these people who have had the opportunity to do something that what they feel is going to be a next step into a much larger universe, uh-huh. feeling this hate coming back. That's got to be a terrible feeling. Right. You know, I've dealt with that on different levels. Mm-hmm. You know, I've dealt with that through, I had my own personal website up for a while where I did a couple of commercials that I was receiving death threats through. I did a couple of projects that I received death threats what? through. Yeah. Yeah. Not to turn this around on me, but I did a music video that the, I got interviewed by the Wall Street Journal and I did a- um, Which music video was this? This was, this was a music video back in 2000, uh, right before the 2016 election. Okay. Okay. And there was a music video that prior to Obama going into office in 2008, there was a filmmaker out of Burbank that did a very kind of like grassroots music video called Viva Los Obamanos. And then this this music video just caught fire. It just went crazy. People loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Obama goes on to become the president in 2008. And, you know, everybody loved it. Everybody's like, oh, man, that was a fantastic music video. And it was very 
you know, just it was a nice production. You put mm-hmm. it together and had over, I want to say like 8 million views or something. So it got a pretty decent amount of traction. Well, this producer put out a casting breakdown for a character named Jake Austin, a completely fictitious character, completely not real, but he's a country music singer in a mock country music video. So like any actor, you go in for an audition and then sometimes you get the part, sometimes you don't get the part. Well, I ended up getting the part for this music video. And in the process of doing this, I meet with the producer and like, I mean, this guy had a file on me, you know, he's, he's like, oh, well, you're not very political online. And that's great because, you know, the project that we're going to be doing is it's a video to promote Hillary Clinton's run. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, awesome. Cool. Let's, let's do it, man. This is a job. I'm an actor. I'm playing a character. I'm playing this Jake Austin character. Sweet. I'm in. We go out, we shoot the music video, we shoot it in Oxnard. It's very uh, blue collar, very middle class. You know, I'm like working on farm equipment. I'm working in like some agricultural fields. I'm, I'm singing this song back and forth, stand up with Hillary. Like that's the, the lyrics to the song. So we shoot it after we wrap everything out and they go through the post-production process. They launch it. Within three days, it had over 3 million views and I was getting blasted. Wow. Blasted by people. And it was heavily heavily hitting me from like, oh, you left wing this. Oh, you yada, yada, yada. Oh, you, you know, people were even saying that I was like a a lip syncing fake musician. I'm like, dude, I'm not a musician. (laughs) I'm not Jake Austin. This is a job. This is a job. Actors, do you think the person on the herpes commercial really has herpes? I mean, come on, guys. It was getting so foolish and ridiculous that you're going, but you see it. You see it starting to happen. And when you deal with it personally, it does affect you because for about a week, I was getting anywhere from like 20 to 50 messages a day from people saying, you know, I was this Benghazi supporting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, I'm going, what? What is going on here? This is ridiculous. So I can only imagine the video was pulled down. Uh-huh. It was yanked because the producer, you know, he was getting information from my manager. Wall Street Journal contacted me. We talked about the movies I'd done. And they yanked the video because it was just getting so much traction on social media and so much hate. And I can just remember like reading stories about, you know, Kelly Marie Tran and, you know, other people that have been blasted online. And I can only imagine. I mean, that thing was only up for three days. Yeah. I mean, she was Rose Tico for how long? I mean, how long was she receiving ridiculous messages from people? I don't remember, but I do remember that she just had to pull from social media. Yeah, she cut, she cut, and even the woman from Ghostbusters. Yeah, you know, she Leslie had to, Jones. Yes, she had to back away. I mean, like that's the kind of stuff when you look at this, you go, "Really, guys? Does it got to? Does it got to go here?" No. I mean, you it, can have an opinion, but come on. The, come on. the answer is no. It never should go there. Yeah. And I think aren't we getting better at? Um, I guess tracking cyberbullying and shutting it down at all? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know that you can choose to block somebody. You can right, you can right. write a letter to, I guess, is it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? You can, like, send out, you can, like, flag somebody and then, like, write to the team member and say this person just goes yeah. around. And, again, you would have to do your homework, but I think if you go and prove that this person just goes around and trolls a bunch of different people, I think you could shut down their account. Or something like that. Yeah. I, I just wonder if some of these people are just so adamant about doing this. Like, if you shut them down, they just create another one. And then they just start doing it again. Because, I mean, think think about then the... Then they need to get a life. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's better there things go. to do than sit in front of a computer. I actually feel bad for them because it probably just means that they're lonely and they don't have other things going on for them. And so they just take out their aggression and their pain on the Internet. Well, you know what the good thing is? Is that we get to take out our aggression and our, our pain, pain on the podcast. I know. Together. Together we get to share in it. <laughs> with with Bill and Natalie, though. They share in it with us. They love and, us. And... This was cool. This was fun. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, sometimes things happen online and it's not cool and love everybody. This I don't is know. Another Spread great the form force. of therapy. Yeah. That's therapy. Instead of being on the couch, you get in front of the mic. I got issues and I need to talk about them. It all started when I was a kid and I saw Return of the Jedi and I realized it was out of order. That's right. That's right. My life is discombobulated. I saw six, then four, then five. I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know what happened. Yeah. One minute, Han Solo was carbonated, and then that was wrong. It was carbonite. <laughs> He's not bubbly. He's not it's fizzy. Not bubbly. At all. It's Indiana Jones. Yeah. Anyways. No, I think this is great, but the moral of the story is uh, get more sophisticated with your opinion. Don't troll people. Don't cyber bully. It's bad. It causes major, major problems. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, be more like Luke and less like Vader. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. Very good. More Luke, less Vader. <laughs> Take us out, Bev. Take us out. And that's it. Thanks for joining us for the Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, every Friday in which a group of writer and producers curate fantasy-themed weeks of classic movies, and Disco Nights, the ultimate Star Trek Discovery podcast available Sundays, and Glorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Best Movies Never Made, Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Cynthia Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you, always, or at least for the next week. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.